podcast is super fun for me because I have to think all week what's an interesting enough thing <laughs> to talk about for like 10-15 minutes about music and I usually just end up looking at what am I doing right now I'm making a bunch of remixes I'm doing some sessions I'm doing all these things in music but what am I fundamentally doing right now I'm writing melodies on a bunch of different instruments that's it that's the gist of what I'm up to. And so I wanted to talk about part writing. What makes a part a part? How do you take notes and transcend it into something that is worthy <laughs> of going onto a record? And part writing for me comes down to vocals. Everything has to sing. And what I mean by that is that every single part has to sing in its own way. Bass has to sound like a bass player. It can't just be playing notes. It has to be doing bass things. Guitar needs to sound like a guitar player. It can't just be notes. It has to do guitar stuff or, you know, interesting stuff. It doesn't have to be like, this is what a guitar sounds like. You can break the mold. But, like, you have to be informed by a certain sort of vocabulary, a certain sort of, like, thing that that instrument does, the role that it plays. And I figured this, this topic would actually be a really fun thing to tie into the recent pods, talking about music history. Because all of my parts go back to music history with a thing called polyphony. Polyphony is the idea that you end up having two voices going on at the same time. An early polyphonic work, it was like a... Gregorian chant in Latin, like chanting the script or scripture or something like that. Um, so like picture a bunch of monks in red robes <laughs> going like, um, you know, e pluribus unum <laughs> and singing and singing in a church. Eventually you realized, hey, not everybody has to do the exact same thing. You can have two different parts. And so they used to sing in something called organum which is a straight harmony. They were singing the exact same vocal line, but separated by an interval, usually a perfect fourth or a perfect fifth. And so they were just kind of following the same direction until some innovators came up with the idea that they don't all have to do the same thing at the same time. In fact, you can have two completely different melodies going on at the same time if you're strategic enough. And that's where polyphony comes in, is it ends up being two melodies that on their own are interesting enough, but they're being played at the same time to create harmony, to create interest. It's the same basic idea that comes from that develops into what Bach did, which is called counterpoint. So you're, you're instead of just having two independent melodies, you're having a bass player and a vocalist or a bass voice and a, an upper register voice like a, a alto or a soprano, doing two different things that highlight and augment the other while providing interest. I was actually talking with uh, my buddy Okudoxish. We were at my bachelor party. And as one does at a bachelor party, we were talking about music theory. 
actually counterpoint because he was telling me that he's trying to do more of this like classical stuff in his music, which is kind of hilarious. If you listen to the music, I don't think you would know that <laughs> because it's like very alternative folk. And, uh, but you know, he's, he's quite a, he's quite a musician. He's a good thinker. And, um, so he was reading some of these textbooks on counterpoint and trying to develop them into his own music. And, uh, the the point the part that he he ended up instructing me is that it's not just like following math even though there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on with counterpoint it's an old school way of doing music but he said like the goal is yeah to use the math and to use like the music theory to provide support and to provide interest in multiple vocal lines but the other part that people don't normally catch on to is that each line is supposed to be interesting enough to just listen to it on its own that goes back to that monophonic days and the polyphonic days and now to the counterpoint days of you have multiple parts that aren't just supposed to just be glue people, particularly the top and bottom line. Sometimes the middle people are glue people. But you want to have a baseline that's moving, that's dancing with the melody. And that's the way that I like to think about it. Not exactly like, you know, I'm going to do what Bach does, but instead I'm going to do like what they did in Motown, what like James Jamerson did on his funk bass lines, where you have a melody that you're supporting, but you're also providing syncopation and contrast and interest dancing around and with and sometimes against the melody. And that's where part writing starts to click for me. Bass and vocals are the best way to like think of all of part writing because fundamentally every other instrument is trying to act like a vocalist in some way. You're trying to write hooks, even like a, a drum part. I was just talking with, with Danny, who's on the podcast, about Forget Me Nots, Patrice Russian's great song. But the one of the biggest hooks in the entire song is two claps. Clap, clap. That's a rhythmic hook. But the, the, the way that it's laid out and the way that it's featured is, is like thinking of a vocal hook and then applying it to a clap part. Or you think like a vocal hook and you apply it to a bass part and then you get James Jamerson or Paul McCartney. It's that sort of mentality where you're not just playing notes anymore. You're being very intentional about the stresses, the accents, the flow, the patterns, and the, what it's playing against, the role that it's playing as a dancer. And so when you start pouring in all of these different parts, especially when I'm doing a remix, this is the ultimate because I have a steady vocal melody that I'm dancing around. And when you're making a remix, the people really want to see you dance. You know, you're not just supposed to like be super subtle and transparent. No, it's like, this is a remix. This is your time to be producer, man, and show people what you're made out of. So it's like, all right, I'm going to play all my instruments. I'm going to do crazy stuff. It's going to be a dense arrangement. We're going to, we're going to go for it. But like, it's so easy to start stepping on each other's toes. So how do you go for it? You have to be very, very aware of what the vocal is doing, dance with it, and dance against it at certain times. And there's a moment, and I, I think musicians would, would really resonate with this, when you're part writing, when the, the stuff starts to go beyond just, oh, I'm playing chords, now, it's, I'm playing these specific chords in this specific order with these specific stresses, and then most importantly, with this kind of voice leading. We don't normally talk about that on guitar, but it's really, really important where the shape of the chord and the extensions on the chord, the jazz notes on the chord, and the way that they move from one to the next, 
informs a ton. That's part of the reason why, like, if you hear somebody playing with a capo and, you know, playing a song, it doesn't quite sound right. The capo is the way that you can just play these open, they're called cowboy chords. <laughs> um, it doesn't quite sound right because you're not playing the right inversions of the chords. And inversions is just order of notes. You're not playing the right order of notes. And the order of notes is what transcends something from chords to a part. Because I can put the same order of notes, you know, on any different instrument, and it's going to still kind of feel like that part. It's going to be filling that specific place. So even on a chord that only has two or three notes, the order and space in between those notes creates a completely different vibe. It's like the difference between a power chord and a big sparkly dream pop chord. Very different vibes, even if they're the same note. But then you expand that out entire arrangement. Think of like playing six different guitars, a bass guitar, synthesizers, vocal harmonies, you know, drum parts, all of that stuff. Everybody has to be dancing with each other. And that's where mixing comes in. And that was my conversation with Luke from uh, Great Good Fine Okay. He was talking about how, you know, as a, as a synth player, he tries to play for the frequencies. He tries to play for the spots in the, frequ- in, in the frequency spectrum that are either like low down here, like, oh, there's a little bit of room there. So I'm going to put my, my chord, my cluster down there. I'm going to invert my chord so that it's, it's smaller in, in the top end tinny part, but it's bigger in this low end kind of area. And, or, or vice versa. You find the pockets and you play to them. And so when you're making an entire arrangement, you have to think in these pockets. You go, okay, I'm going to be playing this like really percussive guitar part, but it's not going to have a ton of body, like low-end stuff. It's going to be this tiny little, like, you know, almost like a percussion instrument. So like, I need a synthesizer that's going to fill out that body so that it doesn't feel too tinny. But I also don't need a, a synthesizer that's going to be too percussive because the percussion kind of sound is going to be coming from the guitars. So like each interacting with the other, being really intentional about the notes and they, the way, more than just the notes, it's like, what's the next note and the, the note before it? Understanding the pathways, the ways that the notes are dancing together. I think that if you just like, if you let a computer pick your notes, um, which a lot of people are doing, uh, it sounds a certain way. It sounds like blocky. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's really cool. Not saying that that's not always cool. Sometimes you want to be blocky, but there is a certain elegance to having the notes, you know, go in directions that they want to, adding little sparkles of spice between chords. And that's where things transcend from just being, oh, I'm going to throw some chords on this thing to being, let me write a part on every instrument. Like the second that you just start being like, eh, let's just throw something in there is like sometimes, at least for me, is when it starts to kind of go off the rails. When it's like, oh, I just need to add more guitars. But like without understanding what I'm trying to do or what kind of color I'm trying to throw onto the canvas, that's when the whole thing starts to get muddy, kind of go off the rails. But if I'm saying, I want to have a guitar that's going to occupy this higher place and sing with the vocal, or there's this big gap in the vocal melody because it does this big leap and a big note, and then the vocalist like has to take a breath. That's where I'm going to put a guitar that's going to respond. So you're going to do-do-do, and the guitar's going to go do-do-do, you know? There's going to be a call and response in that, that gap. It's that singing with each other. And then, you know, everybody's listening to each other. So when you are laying down a bass part, you're listening to the drums and the vocals and the guitars. But then as you're layering onto that, you're listening to that bass part. Everybody has to dance together. And that's when it transcends. 
That's when it goes from being notes and chords and frequencies to being music. It becomes ordered and it becomes intentional. And even if it's like supposed to be chaotic, like there is intention behind that. There are ways to be chaotic and then still make it be like a good mix. Good in terms of like getting the right message across. You have to use these like theory kind of things to your advantage. Even if you're trying to do something that sounds like atonal and weird, there is, there is value in listening, in participating, and in taking your notes and turning them into something you can sing if that's what you're going for. And that's like the dawn of music a thousand years ago when we started to sing together and play together, which is funny because it's like a folk tradition, but we had took a long time to get there in classical music. Like what you heard? Don't? Whatever. Go to scubertuber.pizza and let me know why. Happy to uh, discuss other stuff too. So reach out, suggest some stuff, and I'll see you next week. I'll probably fix that next week. <laughs>